Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The readings for this weekend give us two of the strongest biblical statements regarding God's justice and our responsibility for one another. They speak of God's righteousness, which is his passion to set all things right. A great example of this is Israel, Israel themselves as a nation. You know, it's no accident at all that God chose Israel to be his chosen people, and that through Israel manifested God's revelation to all the world. Now, that didn't come to the Greeks, the Persians, or the Babylonians. Those were all great empires throughout world history. But instead, Israel is the people that God has chosen to be his own and to be the revelation for the world. Now, the Israelites, remember, they were a people who were oppressed for centuries on end. And yet, it was precisely out of their own suffering that they developed a keen and great sense of God's justice and care for the poor. Now, turn to that first reading from the prophet Amos. Now, we've been reading for Amos for the past couple weeks. And Amos, it's important to know, he's considered one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. But his message is extremely important to us nonetheless. Amos lived in the 8th century BC. So he's one of the oldest of the Old Testament prophets. He lived before prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. Now, Amos here preaches against social injustice. Now, one of the central tenets of the Jewish law, the Torah, as well as our commandments, is our compassion for one another, especially those that are neglected. I think St. John Chrysostom gives us a wonderful statement. He says, a good test of our religious convictions is precisely the way we treat one another, especially those in need. Now, I think that statement sums up the readings for this weekend. And this is why Amos criticizes those in Israel that are complacent, as well as their duty to help others. Notice how the reading begins. He says, Woe to those that are complacent in Israel. Now, like all the readings, we always have to understand the context in which it is set in. Right now, as Amos is living, Israel is divided into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is referred to as Judah, and it's very well off. It's very affluent and wealthy. The northern kingdom here in the first reading is referred to as Joseph, and they're not so fortunate. In fact, they're in an economic decline. They're very poor. 
That's why Amos says, Joseph is collapsing. The kingdom is going under. Now, Amos here criticizes the southern kingdom because they know the plight of the northern kingdom. They know what's going on with their fellow compatriots up north, and yet they're indifferent. They don't care about them. In today's first reading, Amos says specifically that the people in the southern kingdom lie on couches and strum their harps. Well, those people are indifferent to the suffering that's going on just north of them. Now, Amos brings up an important point for us, too. The one thing that links all of us together is our baptism. And through subsequent sacraments, we all make up the body of Christ, the church. Therefore, we're dependent upon each other. We depend upon each other for our church, the body of Christ, to be strong, to be flourish, as well as today and the next day and in the future, for future generations. A good analogy to support this is like the organs of our body. All the organs of our body, the heart, the lungs, the stomach, the intestines, they all essentially operate harmoniously together. They're in harmony with each other. They don't oppose each other. And because they're in harmony with each other, the person's body is healthy. And yet, when one of those organs becomes sick, say, for example, the stomach gets sick, there's no way the lungs can say to the stomach, well, I'm sorry that you're sick, but you're not going to affect me. Well, that's wrong. Unless we tend to the stomach and cure it, it's going to gradually affect all the organs of the body. And the body will no longer be healthy, but completely sick. Well, the same thing holds true with us as a church. If we know that there are members of our church that, for some reason, need our help, need to be tended to, and I'm not just saying economically, but maybe spiritually they wandered away from the church, or maybe they suffer from poor health care, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be, we have to tend to them. We can't neglect them because if we neglect them, then our church becomes weaker and we lose the mission. And I think that's exactly what Amos is telling the Israelites in the first reading, as well as us. The southern kingdom can't be indifferent to the suffering of the northern kingdom because sooner or later, that is going to happen to them. The southern kingdom will suffer the same fate. And it happens. About a 100 to 200 years after the northern kingdom falls, so does the southern kingdom because of their complacency. Now, that's a great precursor to the gospel. Jesus, just like Amos, he rails against those that are complacent and indifferent to the needs of others. And so he gives us this wonderful parable called Dives and Lazarus. Dives essentially is Latin for rich man. Now, notice some of the details in this parable. The rich man, it says, was dressed in purple garments. Well, in the ancient world, only royalty or people of great wealth wore purple. In some ways, it was an outward expression to tell everyone who they were and what their status was. They were people of affluence. And so in our day and age, it would be a person that is wearing a fine Armani suit. So this man is wearing very expensive clothes. Lazarus, unfortunately, he's covered with sores. 
Worse yet, it says dogs came and licked his sores. Now remember, dogs in the ancient world by Jews were considered unclean animals. Jews did not want to go anywhere near dogs. And yet, Lazarus, he essentially is at the same level as the dogs, on his hands and knees. It was just symbolic of just how outcast Lazarus is and his condition. Now, what's so amazing is this rich man, he's utterly unaware and indifferent to Lazarus's condition. Now, after hearing this dire situation, it calls out for justice, doesn't it? Now, both men die, and we see now God's passion to set all things right. And we see it throughout the entire Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Give you some examples, just with Jesus alone. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, It's not sacrifice that I desire, but justice. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, he gives us the Beatitudes. And he says, Woe to you who are well off, for you have received your consolation. And woe to you that are full, for you shall be hungry. Or go back to Matthew's Gospel. The person says to Jesus, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you? Jesus' response, Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. You know, another example of God's passion to set all things right is Mother Teresa. Really, when you think of Mother Teresa, her order that she established, her life, her mission, she embodies God's passion to set all things right. There once was a time when she was interviewed by a reporter. And the reporter asked her, how can you keep doing this? You comfort those people that are dying. You feed the starving. You essentially give shelter to those people that are homeless. How do you keep doing it 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 30 plus years? Don't you get burned out? Well, her response was, you know, I hold the baby that is hungry and I try to feed it. And... I give comfort to the person that I know is going to die very shortly. And I shelter those people that are homeless. And I bind their wounds. And I look into each person's face. And I see the face of Christ. And I can't turn away. And therefore, I'm compelled to love them. See, she embodied God's passion to set all things right. Now, the last few minutes of this homily, I want to offer some suggestions for us. For us, like Mother Teresa, to embody that passion, to set all things right in this world. First, continue to practice good stewardship. You know, our faith community, our parishes need our prayers. They need our prosperity. They need our skills and abilities to volunteer in order for our parishes to flourish. And not just today but for generations to come, for our children and our grandchildren. Another way that we can embody that passion of, of God, pray for those who are in need. And I'm not just talking economic need, in need of other things. Maybe there are people that are sick or chronic illnesses. 
Maybe there are people that faded away from the church and are in spiritual trouble. Maybe there are people that are just lonely. We'll pray for them, that God will ease their plight. Another way to embody that passion of God, to set all things right, participate in some of the ministries that you have in your church. St. Vincent de Paul, which really their mission embodies God's passion to set all things right, in which they bend over backwards to help those that are neglected in our society. Or the St. Ben's Meal Program, where parishioners make a meal and they take it down to downtown Milwaukee and feed the homeless. One last thing to think about. Sometime this week, turn to Psalm 146. It says, The Lord gives food to the hungry. Well, that's true. It's very true. The Lord does give food to the hungry, but God needs our hands to distribute that food. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.